The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the program. Looking forward tonight to tonight's show because this is actually a show that was in the making couple of weeks ago we had Devin Hunter scheduled I think it was two weeks ago now actually I could probably tell it was um let me see here what do I have in my notes it was uh May 26th it was actually <laughs> I'm not even gonna say it it was May 26th and uh Devin had a last minute cancellation and we've rescheduled him for tonight so we're excited to have him here when we bring him in we're gonna be talking about uh the modern witch that's the name of his book by the way, The Modern Witch. Um, But he's also an occult expert, and he's a professional psychic medium. So we're going to have a whole bunch of things to talk about with Devin tonight. Looking forward to that. Before I get into that, and again, what's with the voice? It's like I start talking, and all of a sudden I feel like my voice is disappearing. But I do have a voice. And not not only do I mean that physically, but I also mean that figuratively. Um... I've had some people criticize, uh, send some emails about some of the things that we've talked about here on the program. Listen, people, everybody has an opinion. Everybody has one. You know what the saying is about opinions, right? But everybody has one. Why can't we just be tolerant of everybody's opinion? Listen to what they have to say. Nobody says you have to agree with them, whether it's mine or one of my guests. Just listen. Consider. Use your mind to determine whether or not something you find value in. It doesn't have to require a response that is filled with anger and an attempt to silence people you disagree with. Just stop already. So that's how I wanted to open the program, because I really feel that sincerely. I am so tired of the intolerance. I don't care if you agree with me. I don't care if you agree with my guests. I don't really care. If, if, if you're looking for just to listen to people that you agree with only, then, I don't know, don't come to a show where we let all people have their moment and all people express their opinions, because that's what we do here, and we're going to continue to do it. So anyway, I hope everybody's having a great night. Um, I don't mean to get started in an angry way. I really don't, and I'm not angry about this. I just get so frustrated by people who think, that they know what's right and what's wrong when the truth is there is no right and wrong. And I'm actually looking at the stream here. My hair is out of control. This has become crisis level, right? This uh, hair thing has become crisis level. And the reason it looks so bizarre and you see so much of my forehead is because I've had sunglasses on my head to keep my hair out of my face all day. Not that I'm wearing sunglasses, but I needed something to keep the hair out of my face. So I put the sunglasses there and my hair's been sticking up all over like that all day. So now it's kind of stuck in that position. So I apologize for that right away, but it'll give you some, if you, if you take screenshots of this show, you can actually write nasty messages on my forehead and email, email them to me. If that's how you feel, (laughs) I really do love all of you. And even if you disagree and you, you send me nasty emails, I do read them and I do take what you say to heart. Although I have said my, given you my position on all of this. I'm going to go to break. I'm going to get Devin on with us, and we're going to begin this discussion. What does it mean to be a modern witch? I'm not sure what it means to be a witch in general, particularly a modern one. So this will be a great discussion. It's beyond reality. We've got a great night ahead of us, and we'll be right back. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's uh, great to have you all along. I will remind you, if you're watching on our Twitch channel, the Twitch channel is ultimately going to be our weekend program channel. That's where we're going to do our weekend uh, programming, which is a little less serious than the stuff we do during the week. But either way, please follow us on Twitch. And if you have subscribed in the past using your Amazon Prime account, which allows you to subscribe at no additional charge, that runs out every month. You've got to renew it every month. So please do that on Twitch. If you're on our YouTube channel, thank you for being there. Please subscribe there as well. As I said, tonight we've got a great discussion planned for you, one that was actually planned for a couple of weeks ago. And our guest, Devin Hunter, had a last-minute emergency, had to uh, reschedule his appearance, and we were able to work it out for tonight. Devin, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's great to have you with us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate your patience and rescheduling and all that good stuff. Well, you know, things happen. They, they come out of the blue. We certainly understand that. We're just very, very glad that we could get you back on. I've got to ask you, though, um, are you still in the Twin Cities? Is that where you live? No, I actually live in uh, San Francisco, the Bay. Well, right oh, above okay. San Francisco. Yeah. Were you in the Twin Cities at one point? Oh, I saw that somewhere. I thought maybe it's in, in the in the your publishers in the Twin Cities. Maybe I'm not even sure. Yeah, I, I've done some events in the Twin Cities, so that's probably what it is. Well, how are things faring where you are as far as not just you know we've got this coronavirus thing we're dealing with. We've got a lot of uh, discontent and strife and anxiety in the nation as a whole. How are things uh, in San Francisco, and how are you holding up? Uh, you know, things here are, are really interesting. Um, we've been paying attention to, of course, everything as, you know, the news is, is unraveling over the last two weeks. And we actually own a shop, a, a metaphysical store uh, here, and the town that we were in had some rioting and some looting. And the, just the response from the community was kind of mixed bag, and the police were a very mixed bag. So, you know, we're in this position as business owners where we have to figure out well, what's best for us. And we actually made the decision to close our storefront and move to a different part of town, one that's a little more inclusive. One that, oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really just a wild ride for us. So, you know, while we're dealing with that stuff, we, we also have, you know, obviously people we really love and care about who are part of, you know, the – the protesting and they're part of um, trying to make some sort of change. And so sure. being an ally for those people is, you know, that's kind of where we try to put the amount of energy we can on this, you know, in, into those, those endeavors. But otherwise it's just been a lot of hunkering down, praying, you know, and um, doing, trying to make those good decisions about taking care of us as, you know, when it comes to health, but also taking care of, uh, you know, the future. What, what is it going to look like with bills and things coming up? So there's a lot of a lot of people are in that same place, I think, where we're just trying to figure out what is going to be best for us in the, you know, in the moment, in the long term. And um, a lot of things are up in the air. I'm sure same thing, you know, where you're at. Yeah, I, you know, I applaud people who, who have enough passion, energy, and stick-to-itiveness to uh, go out and protest something they believe in. I think those folks are commendable, and I respect, and I don't always agree with protesters, depending on what they're protesting, mm -hmm. but I respect every one of those folks who takes the time and energy to try to make a difference and make a change. I don't respect the rioters and the looters. That's different to me. And, I, I, you know, I get concerned because people get hurt in that stuff, and 
And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, that, that just kind of, kind of uh, turns me off a little bit, but I, I'm glad that, um, to hear you say what you said. And I also am curious as to how someone who, uh, operates a metaphysical store, but also talks about witchcraft and spell casting and these types of things. How do those energies get involved in something like this? Let's say, for example, that you picked a side, whatever protest we're talking about and whatever side we're talking about, and you wanted mm-hmm. to apply those energies to that. How would you do that? Oh, that's a, that's a wonderful question. Um, and I can tell you that most um, occultists and witches don't agree on the best way to handle this. And so, yeah, from my viewpoint, I think um, uh, my job as a citizen is to show up and to vote and to, uh, you know, make sure that people have the ability to vote and to go do those things. So I, I spend a lot of energy just making sure that the system that we are all agreed to be part of, no matter what side you're on, right. is, is upholds and it's something that we can all participate in. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of witches out there who are putting, you know, they're doing ritual work to protect Trump. They're doing ritual work against Trump. You know, and for me, I, 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 the truth of the matter is, is that we're dealing with just a bunch of people throwing, you know, what is essentially psychic energy at each other. And when you've got, you know, churches upon churches praying for Trump, it doesn't matter if you throw something at him or not, because he's going to have this really big barrier there, um, spiritually, energetically. So I think what we end up doing is wasting our resources, wasting our energy on things that we actually can't have an impact in in the moment. Um, and so instead of going out and making sure that your neighbors are safe and that your neighbors have what they need, we are huddled up on Twitter, freaking out over every tweet that's being sent and you know, those sort of things. So I think that they're, they're really just when it comes to the way witches and occultists are approaching this, uh, you know, we, we we're totally split on the fence. Um, I think it's better to get out and be proactive and get physically involved whenever possible, um, monetarily involved whenever possible, and then to do magic and things that support the causes you you like. So I may not be happy with the president, but if I you know go and do a bunch of stuff against him, what is that really going to do? Is that actually going to have an impact in the long term, or is it better if I look at my local community and say, hey, actually these this particular group of people is being marginalized. Let me go help them and do work that's going to better their life. Like, let me do work to help get, you know, help that person get a job. Let me do work to help that person uh, feel safe in their neighborhood. You know, those sorts of things. That's where I tend to put my energy and my focus. Um, but, you know, we're not all, we're all cut from the same cloth. So tell me how that works. And we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but that's okay. Tell me how it works. If you've got um, people, uh, invoking or practicing some sort of sort of witchcraft as a way to uh, affect an outcome. And then you have another group of people uh, trying to affect the outcome in a different direction, the opposite direction. Do those forces work against each other? Yeah. So it's, it's kind it kind of has a kind of a canceling effect, to be honest with you. Um, it, you know, you can neutralize energies that are coming to you. You can, we do that through just things like, you know, meditating and, and just doing grounding work. We're neutralizing energies and, and, and whatnot. So, you know, on a basic level, we all do those kinds of things. When we get together with groups, you know, I was raised Pentecostal, and there's uh, we were taught that when, you know, whenever more than three people get together, you're going to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And and so I've taken that with me in everywhere, every part of my spirituality. And I feel like when you get a bunch of people on either side of the railroad tracks that are throwing, you know, whatever at each other, are, the question then becomes, are you are you just fighting the, the next front or are you actually fighting the root and the cause and the problem um, that's causing the thing that you're getting upset about? 
Um, and that's where, you know, again, it's kind of what do you, how do you want to invest your energy into this? But the, the general consensus is um, that you just end up with a bunch of kind of guerrilla, spiritual guerrilla warfare agents just kind of throwing stuff around. And ultimately, it just kind of muddies up the work. And so, um, again, you know, that's why I think it's better to, to, you know, plan and to do things that are going to have an immediate impact versus something that's really nebulous, like trying to create a giant social change um, that's kind of nebulous. But if you can get some really fine points and you can create a plan around that and then do magic and things to support that, you're going to be way more likely that not only is that going to be effective, but that the work Let's say, you know, somebody is doing work that's antithesis to that, but they're not actually showing up to do the mundane things. They're not showing up to come up with the plan. They're just throwing energy your way. Well, chances are their stuff's not going to stick. You've done more. Your energy is bigger. Uh, you've made a much bigger impression uh, on, the, on the subject matter. And so your work is going to be more effective than somebody who isn't putting in as much. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it, it's the, the, the breakdown of, of metaphysics is, is quite interesting when we get into this, this particular topic. Yeah, and so if if you take extend that discussion and you and you realize that if we had a whole lot of people taking on a cause for the for the common good and all focusing on that cause and there weren't other people opposing it, we could actually see some serious change. Major change, yeah. That must be inspiring to you in a way, but also very frustrating at times. It's kind of horrifying at times, actually, because um, so in addition to all, so you know, yes, I'm an occultist and I'm I'm a practicing witch and psychic and all those fun things. But at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm a I'm really into science. I know that sometimes can be sound a little weird coming out of my mouth, but I'm very into science and I'm very into humanism. Um, I believe in the power of humanity. I think we can do some really amazing things. I'm a Star Trek nerd, so that just puts it all in perspective for your listeners. <laughs> Um, and so it's hard because, you know, I was raised with this belief that humanity was going to fix our problems. We are going to create a better world for everybody. And in doing so, we're going to really raise the game of what we're capable of being as a species. And that's the promise that I feel like I was given as a child. You can be anything you want to be when you grow up, right? Well, we were all told that. And so now here we are as adults, and, you know, the question really is, what do we want to be when we grow up? And, um, and it's difficult at times because, we, you know, and it's, you know, politics and things aside, if we just think, you know, hey, humanity, we're a species, right? And this is it. We're just here on this planet. Something happens, God forbid, like a pandemic or, you know, one of those things, this could all be over. And so, you know, it's very fragile. And I think if we were to see our species as being fragile, then I think the, the approach that we would have to each other, the, the spiritual connection we would have to each other would be very, very different than what we tend to have now. You know, the whole idea that this is all very fragile is an important one. And many of us don't live like it is. But as you get a little bit older, and I am in that part of my life where I'm getting a little bit older and I'm starting to encounter things like, you know, my parents passing away, their friends passing away, my friends passing away. Um, you start to recognize how very transient all of this is and how yeah. it's really only a blip in time. And if we don't take action and make the best of it while we're here, um, we don't get another chance really. Absolutely. And that's one of the, I love Buddhism for that uh, very reason. Every time I find myself in a crossroads where, you know, my, my father passed away or something, you know, really big life changing happens, I find myself leaning towards Buddhism and the teachings of Buddhism um, and that, that central belief that life is suffering is, is this really beautiful thing once you kind of surrender to the idea that everyone is hurting 
every one of us is growing and we're getting older and our bodies start to shut down. And there's, every one of us has these experiences. And in order to make it through, you got to have compassion. You have to understand that this is, this is the nature of existence, is that we're going to go through these types of pains and we're going to end up um, needing help and, and love and compassion from other people. That's part of what makes, made our species you know, so successful. And so here we are at a stage where I think we're really just, no matter what side of the fence you're on, you're being invited to show up to humanity with compassion right now. And I think that, regardless, again, of what side of the fence you're on, that the fact that we're all able to meet in this particular place, I think, is really inspiring. What about um, the the idea that you presented here just a minute ago in your answer? Uh, you said you're really into science, and you kind of made mm-hmm. a comment like, I know that might be hard to believe, or you might not think I am, or whatever. Um, how do you reconcile science with uh, being a practicing witch, what, what are the uh, is any of that at odds, and is it does it require faith, or how do you make that jump, or are we completely misinterpreting it? I think uh, I think it is at odds for some people. It isn't for me, and the reason why um, to give a little background is that um, if you were to ask me what my religion is, I would tell you that I'm a spiritual humanist. Um, so practicing witchcraft, we don't have to. Not a lot of people practice witchcraft as a religion. Uh, most people are just kind of free-form religious people who practice witchcraft. Um, and, and so, and I'm one of those people who, you know, I believe in spiritual humanism, which, which essentially is the understanding that humanity is um, responsible for itself. And our, we, we can't take religion, like when we, when we go to solve a problem with the world, let's say starvation, you can't come at that problem with religion being the answer because it's going to immediately cancel out a group of people. It's immediately going to separate a group of people and, um, and cause other problems because then you have, you know, your ideas and your ideologies that are being placed on other people and so on and so forth. So if we get religion out of the way when it comes to how we interact with each other, um, which is the core, the core principle of spiritual humanism, then we can approach, you know, real problems with real things like science. And so I'm not one of those witches that believes um, a lot of the new agey science, which is kind of funny. So um, like the, the, doc, the work of Dr. Emoto, which is the, the guy who took photographs of water, of the molecules of water, and said, look at the molecular change when you put a sticker with a word on it. Well, if you change the molecular structure of water, you no longer have water. Like that isn't water anymore. So right. like I'm not into that. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I do believe um, that magic and occultism thrive in the mind. And so because I do love science um, and I do have a background in psychology and I study psychology in college, um, I look at my spiritual practice as very psycho-spiritual. I look at my witchcraft as very, psych, you know, very, um, very mental. It's very much so a part of um, my search to understand myself as a human being. And, and ultimately, the, the understanding that the mind is connected to reality, um, we all know this. Science totally proves that. That's in a, a, a Psych 101 course. Um, and the, the understanding that the mind is sensitive to uh, energy forms. And I'm talking like electricity. You know, there are, there are there's forms of electricity that the brain is just sensitive to. We know those things. We just can't really define those things. So I err on the side of the, the preternatural, uh, which is the belief that science is going to explain these phenomena and these experiences, and uh, that will happen one day. 
we, we once we quit separating the two and and we you know we see the human experience for what it is, those will all be explained. I, I totally believe people will um, be able to explain away psychic phenomena one day when science you know makes room for it in a more practical institutional way. I told I mean we, we know these these little blimps have popped up in studies and things throughout the years, but the the scientific community itself just hasn't put a lot of energy into it. So I'm, I'm skeptical when it comes to a lot of the pseudoscience and a lot of the new age science. I don't think that really is beneficial for us as, as people to be spreading, you know, false information around just to validate a point. Um, on the other hand, I, I think that we are we have not even begun to scratch the surface of of our understanding about between the intersectionality between the mind and the universe. So you you just said something that fascinates me. This idea that uh, we'll be able to look at psychic phenomena or other such phenomena in the f- near future, and it won't be a mystery to us. We'll understand it, and it'll be somewhat normal, um, and it'll be a normal way of life or part of life. What gets there first, Devin? Is it science or is it is it a spiritual awakening that gives us that understanding? I think it's uh, I think it's about appreciation. So I think if we were to approach these uh, topics from a spiritual place, we can really appreciate kind of the awe of the moment, right? If, if you have a psychic phenomenon or you, you know, have a loved one come and start communicating to you from the other side, like those are, are really amazing moments that I think can be really affirming as a human being. The flip side of it, though, is that if when we bring science into it, we have to create, we, we have to do a couple of things. First thing is um, science, the scientific method wants us to be able to reproduce the experience in order to verify it, in order to study it. And so um, what we have to be able to do is, is, you know, again, put energy and attention into people who are able to reproduce those things, which has happened. We have, we have those studies. Those, those, we know that the government, because um, the information was released, we know the government uh, during World War II was, was working a lot with psychics. There was the whole Men Who Stare at Goats movie that came out that was about it. Well, that was a real thing, and Russia and the U.S. had the whole psychic uh, groups of psychics uh, spying on each other. It was really – there's a fascinating book by Lord Auerbach out about this. Um, and so, you know, we knew that was happening at that point. We know that Yale has done studies in the 90s that uh, brought up the, the, the concept that there is an extrasensory perception that's happening with people who, with some people who claim they're mediums. There is, there is something happening. They can, they can measure that there's an electrical thing happening. So there's these little things, these little blimps we've gotten over the years that, you know, I think are, are leads to more and to greater things. But, you know, again, it gets down to do we want to, as a scientific community, solve problems like global warming and cancer or are we more interested in, you know, the work of Madame Blavatsky from the 1800s? You know what I mean? So it's this kind of, it's all about where do we as a community find value? And when everything's great and we're not at war and, um, you know, the economy stabilized, we tend to get more spiritual as just a Western civilization. Um, but then when we get into times of scarcity, we don't. We, we stop exploring spirituality, spiritually. Uh, religions get more condensed. Uh, sex within religions get more condensed. And so uh, people tend to, you know, if they were raised Baptist, they're more likely to go back to a Baptist church during those times than to go explore other types of Christianity. So we know that, the, you know, there's, there's these things that already exist out there that I think it just really gets down to us as a culture finding value, right? So just like with music, when we find value in the arts, we have this flood of creativity and these amazing things that happen in music. Uh, just the science of music just grows and expands. But when we as a culture aren't in that place, we kind of get just the same type of music over and over and over and over, and over again. 
Um, and so, you know, we can look at this stuff. We can we can see the the proof and the evidence and the studies and the research. It's all there. It's just a matter of when do we, as a culture, find value in those things. We're going to talk about your books at some length here as our discussion continues. But the first thing I want to say about the new book, uh, Modern Witch, um, I would say this is more of a coffee table book than many of the uh, what I would consider to be witch witch or witchcraft related books that I've seen. This is beautifully put together. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, a work in a work of love and pro and, and lots of processing and. Um, it, it, took a, it took four years to make that happen, and I, I really did want it to be like a coffee table book, so I'm glad that you totally picked that up. I mean, the, the photography, everything in it is really, really beautiful, and uh, it was pr- it's printed very well. And I know that sounds like it's a basic thing, but not all books are, so I'm sure you know what I'm yeah. talking about. It's re- Absolutely. It's really done well. And so when you decided to write this one, I know you have uh, the Witch's Book series, which is Book of Power, which is Book of Spirits, which is Book of Mysteries. But when you decided to put this one together, what, what was your objective? Well, I had originally um, gone to Llewellyn when, when we started talking about working together, uh, Llewellyn, my publisher, um, with this idea. And, and the, the original concept was going to be a very expensive project to make. Um, and that was just the printing costs alone of, of a full-colored, full, you know, just that's a lot of money. So they um, they were they had a little bit of reservation about you know just jumping into that and so I said well I you know I've got this other series that that I, I or this other book I could write and uh, they said well let's start with that I said, okay and so I, I wrote the Witch's Book of Power and then it quickly became a, a, a trilogy a, a book series and that was wrapped up last year and as I was wrapping that one up um, the production for Modern Witch really uh, amped up and. It, it really is, you know, I've had a, a kind of a project of mine for the last decade called Modern Witch. I have a podcast and a magazine and uh, little community groups and things all over. And um, it's, I really, you know, I look at spirituality as um, this wonderful playground. And I know some people don't like to hear that kind of thing, but I really do. I, I, I come from a, a, a family that was very open to talking about spirituality and exploring it. Um, and so as an adult, I, I, I have that has just gotten even more intense, right? And so when I started uh, into the process of writing books on witchcraft, I wanted to answer some questions that I had when I was growing up and studying, but I also wanted something that was going to be a little bit more open to the public. And my, my, my book series is, is a more hardcore, intense study on witchcraft and, and occultism if you're somebody who wants to go through that. Modern Witch is not that. Modern Witch is this beautiful kind of collection of, of workings and things that I've uh, been able to, you know, collect over the last 10 years through working with, you know, people on the podcast and the, the Modern Witch community, but also, you know, my clients and my customers uh, through the store. And so it, it really was this ex- kind of, ex- I don't know, experiment, what's a good way to put it, experiment, and trying to find out if there was a way to really visually bring magic to people, because one of the things that we're often saying is uh, magic doesn't always translate well into film. And so that's a really difficult thing. But you've got these these uh, amazing people on like Instagram taking really incredible photos of, of their workings and, and their things. And I'm like, no, I think people are ready for this. Um, and so the, the initial idea was to create an experience so that um, you weren't just getting a book where you would sit down and read the words, but you'd really get an experience uh, when you open that book up and you'd get a taste for what magic was supposed to look like and feel like. And, and those are things that aren't always given to us. Most of the time aren't given to us in books. Um, so I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to be artistic as possible. 
And I also wanted to really kind of lean in on some of my other things. Like I, I'm a photographer. I love to do art and photography. And so being able to do all the art and the photos for the book was a really big deal for me. Um, and so it was just this really, it was this experiment of, can I put all of this stuff that I do into one place and make it as, as, as accessible as possible? Um, and that's what we tried to do. Well, mission accomplished there. That it's a terrific piece, and um, it's really enjoyable not only to read but to look through. Um, let's go back to this whole idea of witchcraft, though. I mean, when you tell people who might not know what you do or why you do it, uh, and you say, "I'm a witch and I practice witchcraft," what kind of what kind of reaction do you generally get? It depends on where I'm at. <laughs> um, the here in California, people don't even blink twice. It's just, you know, all right, he's doing whatever. Um, but I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in uh, right outside of Cincinnati. And when I go home um, to visit family and things like that, I still have that, that I, I get the stink eye. Um, and it's, and it's <laughs> most of it's just people don't know. And the other thing, too, that I always want to kind of bring up is that if you're alive today and you're older than 30, you survived the satanic panic. Right. And That's so right. you yeah. you were part of that. You were scared just like everybody else was when they were watching Sally Jeffy. And, you know, we as a as a as a American community and, and society were were shocked at the, the fear and the anxiety and the stories that were being spun at that time. So I think it's totally acceptable for people to hear the term witchcraft or hear the word witchcraft and, and do a double take. I think that's acceptable. I mean, you know, you, you just heard stories of people sacrificing their kids to whatever, right, in the, you know, 30 years ago. Well, all of that stuff is largely been debunked, and we think of it all as just um, kind of the machinations of a, of a hungry public. We can also just – we have to identify and, and recognize this had an impact on everybody. So I, I think it's okay to, to you know, get a weird, um, a weird stare every once in a while. I don't think it's okay to be rude about it. I don't think it's okay to be snobby about it or try to convert somebody. You know, that's not cool. But I think it's perfectly acceptable to to want to ask those questions and, and whatnot. For the most part, it's uh, it's a lot easier now that I'm a dude walking around with a beard and you know, <laughs> I, I, I you know I look a little. You, you're not going to necessarily mess with me, um, so I, I don't <laughs> think people are going to you know give me that type of pushback um, as much as you know when I was younger. When I was younger, I got it all the time, all the time. Do you do you have um, debates or arguments with people? I mean, there are still people, and, and and to be fair, I think that the definition and the idea of being a witch has changed. It's evolved over the years. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously in the Middle Ages it meant one thing, and now it means something very very different. Uh, but people still carry those definitions and those ideas in their heads. So do you get into arguments with people about this, or is it like you said, I'm not going to try to convince you. You think what you want. I don't get into arguments with people, but I will totally sit down and have a discussion with somebody. Um, and, and one of the things that uh, there's this amazing author, uh, her name is uh, Thorne Mooney, and uh, she wrote a book called Traditional Wicca. And, and aside from that, but in, in the book, she, she talks about how um, no matter what we would do as practitioners of, of the occult, um, you know, we, it doesn't matter what we say about, you know, we don't really worship the devil. We don't really do these things. People are if, if you're coming from the viewpoint that everything that is not strictly Christianity is evil and of the devil, it doesn't matter what I say to you. It's not I'm not going to convince you that I'm not worshiping the devil because your your Bible says that anything that is not Jesus is this. And so, you know, for me, it's not a matter of of trying to debate that. I don't have I don't feel like my validity as a person is like 
you know, up for grabs. I, I don't think my experiences are up for grabs. Um, and so, you know, for me, I'm very confident who I am and why I believe what I believe in. Um, and I also make room in my life to be, you know, open and accepting of, this, of anybody's spirituality. I think, you know, let's be real here. Everyone's allowed to have their own imaginary friend. And, just, and your imaginary friend isn't more valid than my imaginary friend. So to me, you know, at the end of the day, are you, are you doing things that are bettering yourself? And, you know, is your spirituality helping you become a better person for yourself, whatever that is? Is it helping you enrich your life? Awesome. Um, and if, if it's doing those things, then great. And, and, you know, I, cause that's what my spirituality is doing for me. And as long as that's the, the case, we're good. But, you know, my, I, I am one of those people that firmly believes, um, you know, when we have discussions about identity and we have discussions about, um, how we feel, um, you know, our belief systems are, are structured and, and whatnot, I think it's really important to, try to create as much middle room as possible and to try to be as inviting as possible for discussion. But I don't think it's, it's a good idea to get into the habit of defending yourself when, you know, who are you defending yourself to and why, why would you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Thinking about approach. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. Like it goes on social media, you know, everybody seems to get their share of hate mail, regardless of what you're doing on social media anymore. And the worst thing you can do is try to argue with the folks because it's just, it's really rather pointless. Um, We're talking tonight with Devin Hunter, by the way. Um, He is the author of a book called The Modern Witch or or just Modern Witch. Plus he's got other books. He's got a trilogy of the Witch's Book of Power, the Witch's Book of Spirits and the Witch's Book of Mysteries. His websites, there are two. Do you recommend one over the other, Devin, or are they both pretty well uh, important i just send people to modernwitch.com because you can get everything there you can find me and all of the you know little avenues from there Devin, if someone was to start with your books which of the four i guess would you recommend they start with uh the witch's book of power would be the, the place to start um it's got the the whole series is a uh well honestly if you were to walk into witchcraft completely blind and, and want to start a practice up um, books one, two, and three will give you a, pretty much everything you need um, as far as developing a, an actual personal practice that's relevant and, and applicable and um, not, you know, I, I don't uh, thrive in the nebulous. I like to have really tangible, you know, practical things that I can look at and hold and, uh, and create, you know. Um, and so the Witch, the, uh, the Witch Power series um, is all about that. So I would say start with the first one and then just go to the second one. And then by the time you're, you're finished up with the third one, you will be way better off than I was <laughs> when I first started. <laughs> yeah. How did you get started? Where did this uh, come to you? Uh, how were you exposed to it to begin with? So, you know, I was a, a strange little psychic kid and I would have really intense experiences. And we, we lived in a very haunted house for a while and um, I seemed to be the only one who was having the, the, the degree of experience that, that I was having. Um, you know, family feels things and, and whatnot, but I, would, I was the one having these really, really intense experiences. Uh, and I went looking for answers. I, I, I went to my church, and my minister told me that I was possessed by the devil. And um, that was horrifying as a child to hear. And uh, I'm sure, you know, that practice or of telling children they're possessed by the devil has been, you know, ended or whatever by now. But that was not a, a good thing to go through. So that yeah. put me on a path of looking for my own answers. And um, I was, you know, lucky, again, to have this family that I could talk to about what my experiences were. And 
Uh, my mother, though she has always remained a very staunch Christian, um, was at the very least open to me sitting down and explaining what I was going through and explaining, you know, how, how it, it would happen um, and the things I would get. And we were getting, you know, verifiable information, which was the big kicker. It wasn't just, you know, my imagination. I was able to come up with some, some details. And, um, and my father was just a bit of, you know, spiritually a little bit of everything. <laughs> and, um, and they were divorced. So I would get to go to dad's house, uh, you know, on a weekend or in the summertime and, and we would go to the bookstore and I would ask him a question. He'd go, let's go look for a book on it. And so I found my way into the craft, really, again, looking for answers and just picking up some books here and there and just kind of went from there. But I, I you know, I've always been my own kind of person with it. I don't, I don't want the fact, like, I love witchcraft. I love that it's, it's been this huge part of my life and it's always going to be a big part of my life. But, you know, as I get older, um, I, I have less of a desire to be, teaching witchcraft to people, so to speak, and, and, and a larger desire to talk about um, the preternatural and the occult and the, the supernatural and how those things intersect into our lives. Um, and so my, you know, my work as a witch really comes from this place of wanting to help people. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a really impoverished area. Um, 50% of my graduating class is either dead or in jail uh, for meth-related crimes. And, you know, I was told I was never going to get out of that, like we all were. And so I used witchcraft to get out of that situation and to, you know, build a better life for myself. And I, you know, honestly, I don't know how, how I would be here, a functioning adult who pays taxes without a drug addiction, you know, without the craft. Um, it, it, it made me become the person who was responsible for saving myself. It wasn't about, uh, you know, a, a God or a spirit coming in and making it all better. It was about me picking myself up from the bootstraps, looking at the things that were wrong and saying, how am I going to be my own savior? And so that's why I've always stayed a witch. That's why, you know, I, I've always um, identified as a witch. I don't think that's ever going to go away. It gave me that power, which, you know, amazing. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I find myself getting called more to, you know, talk about occultism or hauntings or curses and, you know, those things. That's what I'm really interested in. That's what I'm really, because uh, I want to help, you know, and, and uh, I, I, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would um, do a reading for somebody or I'd have a session with somebody and they'd want me to cast a spell for their ex-boyfriend or something. And I'm like, I'm not about that. I'm not here for that you have a messed up relationship, you can fix that like on your own, you know, whatever. I'm not here to fix your problems. I don't want to be that guy. And so, and that was, you know, when, when you come out as a professional witch, when you come out as a, a professional cultist, psychic, whatever, those are things people expect you're going to do. And that's just not who I am. And so, um, you know, I, I, I have clients that I see um, and a, a few of them I will do magical work for, but it's really, I'm doing magic with them. I'll send them the supplies and I'll say, hey, we're going to do this together at this time. And, um, and we kind of go about it from there. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to be anybody's Luke Skywalker. I had to figure it out on my own, how to be my own Skywalker. I want you to do that for you because it's a really amazing experience. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, witchcraft has been this uh, avenue towards really understanding myself as a psychic, understanding myself as um, somebody who is who's sensitive to the spirit world, that's a real thing that was uh, very strange to uh, really dive into and understand. And I, I couldn't imagine my life without, you know, having spirits popping up in and out and things like that. Um, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think 
witchcraft has, it's, you know, it's there, it's a practice, it's something I do, being a witch by proxy, because I practice the craft, but I, it, it, it's just a, a part of this much bigger thing for me, if that makes any sense. It does, and we're going to get back to that too, but I want to ask you about the occult part of your life. <laughs> what does it mean to be an occultist? We all have this idea of what the occult is and what it means, um, but those ideas vary from person to person. So mm-hmm. tell me what it means for you. So occult, just in its very definition, just essentially is is the study of, of mystery, is the mystery within the self. And so when we are thinking like occultism, it's the study of all of the practices and all of the things that we have done as a species um, to enlighten ourselves, to better ourselves, to understand the subconscious, to understand what's going on in the mind. And that happens to also include a huge chunk of the esoteric and a huge chunk of um, recreations from, you know, uh, past civilizations and cultures and those sorts of things. So the occultism, and it's at its very essence, just means mystery. It's, it's the study of, of the mysteries. And the, I think one of the things that I love about occultism is that you kind of automatically have to agree that there isn't going to be an answer necessarily, right. um, and, that it's a mystery, right? And so I, I, I love to be the observer of that mystery. I love to be somebody who can um, put the pieces together. And this is, this is the big thing about being an occultist versus practicing the occult or, or whatever. The, the difference just really gets down to the way that you understand it and apply it. So um, somebody would come to me, and the reason why you know they, I get called an occult expert is somebody will come to me and say, "Hey, I found this strange thing in my yard that I think uh, somebody put there. Can you tell me what this is?" You know, and it could be uh, it could be something as simple as just a weird little glass bottle, or it could be something as intense as a bunch of Bible verses wrapped around a dead snake, right? And my job is to be able to sit down and go, "Okay, well." If it's a bunch of Bible verses wrapped around a dead snake, this is why this would have been done. So it's understanding why they would use Bible verses and a dead snake and what the, what is the point of this. So my job is to go in and kind of understand the process behind it so that we can take care of it. We can, you know, disenchant it, take, you know, whatever we got to do. The flip side of it is that, you know, being a, uh, somebody who's a psychic and a medium, I get called in to do a lot of house cases, a lot of, uh, you know, investigations and those sorts of things. So going into it um, as, a, as a psychic is, is a little different than going into an investigation as a witch. Um, if, if anybody gets the chance to see Hellier, which is this really great series done by um, Dana and, and uh, uh, Greg Newkirk, um, they, she, she is this, Dana's this, this witch who's stuck with a bunch of paranormal investigators. Um, and she's the one with all the vibes and the senses. And, you know, she's saying, no, don't go do that. No, don't go do that. And the guys aren't <laughs> listening to her, you know? And so my job is to do that. My job is to show up and, and explain why things are done the way that they are, um, to try to make sense of, 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 uh, anything from a ritual to a spell remnant and be able to explain those things. But then also taking it further to the, the step of how does that affect you? Why would it affect you? What can we do about those effects? Um, and, and then, you know, again, putting it all together into that bigger, that bigger spectrum of things and understanding how all the pieces and the cogs work together. So you can be an occultist and just study the mysteries. And I, I, think, I think more people would, would consider themselves occultists if they thought of it like that. Um, but uh, often the paranormal and the esoteric and um, even sometimes the macabre get thrown in there, depending on what area you're in, who you're talking to, what culture you're dealing with, you know, those sorts of things. 
you you mentioned Hellier. Uh, I actually um, enjoyed that uh, both seasons of Hellier quite a bit. Uh, I did feel like it was a little bit. They lost some focus along the way, and there's a lot of questions unanswered. I'm hoping that they come back with another season to give us some of the answers to those questions. I'm assuming, in addition to liking the way, uh, um, I can't remember her name, Dana? Is it Dana Newkirk? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. way Dana uh, handled herself in that program. In addition to that, you actually liked the investigations they were doing. Were were you impressed by that? I actually was. Um, One of the things that I kind of chomp on is that when we go into do investigations, we, we really want a phenomenal experience. And that isn't what happens usually. And so, um, you know, I, I would love to have a, you know, a ghost rush me and, and make walls quake and do things. It doesn't happen often, right? I, I can count on my hand the number of times I've had a phenomenal experience that has no explanation. And that, those five experiences or, or whatever are the ones that keep me going. Right. right, because the rest of it can just absolutely be just junk. And so what I really appreciated about Hellier was that you get to see the process of an actual group of people who are doing this, and they take it seriously, so seriously that they're not going to fill you full of, with a bunch of crap. And to the point where they leave you open with questions. They, they, they talk about you know everything from, well, maybe this isn't goblins. Maybe it's aliens. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. And that's the process you go through as an investigator, right? You, it's so rare that you, you leave a location and have all of the answers or that you feel uh, complete, right? Often we leave with more questions. We leave wanting to know the story behind something. We leave wanting to know the connections that, that something like synchronicity might have and, you know, on the case. And what I really what I just loved about Hellyer and the way that the, the Newkirks approached it um, was that it was it was probably in my experience the most realistic investigation I've ever seen on television. I think it's a great way to characterize it. I thought so too, and it was so it was so genuine. They did a great job of of producing it, yet it it really felt like it was um, almost live TV in a way, as though you were seeing things unfold as they were happening. They did a great job with that. Yeah. Yeah, give me give me that any day. <laughs> I will I will I will watch it. I am here for it. Um, I asked you about the definition of a cult and a cultist, and we've been talking about witchcraft and being a witch for a while, but I didn't really ask you about those definitions again because they mean different things to different people. But to you, what does it mean to be a witch? So to be a witch, uh, that's a good question. Actually, I I usually get asked, "What is witchcraft?" Not necessarily, "What do I think it means to be a witch?" Uh, you know, for me, I think it's about being a, a spiritual artist. Um, and I, I think a lot of witches uh, understand and appreciate that in the fine print of witchcraft, um, there's a lot of, of, I don't want to call it anarchy, but there is a little bit of an anarchy spirit to that point of you must be self-possessed. You must govern yourself. You must be self-responsible. And so it's, it's a beautiful thing to me to be in a position in my life where I can look at um, something like witchcraft and, and say, you know what, it means something different to everybody. It has, depending on what culture, I mean, if we take it outside of the context of American English, it's going to, going to infer a lot of different things. So if I say bruja or brujo in, you know, in Spanish, that we, you know, we say in English, well, that translates to witch or warlock or whatever, but it actually doesn't quite fit that same description. Um, there's, there's baggage that comes with it in a different way. Um, and it's the same thing for 
you know, if, if we say if we were in America, if we're in America and we say the word warlock uh, and you're around a bunch of witches, they're all going to look at you and think you're talking about somebody who's evil and does you know bad things. But if we go to Europe and you say warlock, it just means a male who does all this stuff. So, you know, the the terminology behind it is one that I think, you know, at the end of the day, you got to you got to define that for yourself. And, and nobody's going to really be able to do that. Um, but to that end, I, I think witchcraft is spiritual art. I, I look at it as uh, just as an art form. And I, I often am inviting myself, whether that's, you know, putting together a, a ritual working and, and gathering ingredients. You know, I, I not only want it to physically look beautiful so that I feel aesthetically engaged to it, but I also want it to feel beautiful. You know, I, I, wanna, I want it to feel good. I want it to feel powerful. Um, and so the way that we do that is through expression. Um, and art is this really great way of doing that. Um, but, you know, the, same, the, the flip side of that is uh, if you take away the rogueness of just kind of doing your own thing, witchcraft is, is often considered to be a, a practice that involves um, using the mind to create change within an environment. And it's not unlike what we would consider a psychokinesis to be. So if we were to, to define psychokinesis in a normal kind of paranormal kind of sense, we usually just say that it is the ability to affect or influence in an environment without physically being there to do so. And that's what we're doing in witchcraft. And so I often am, you know, when we get into the nitty gritty of, of how it all works, I think that, you know, most people think of psychics and they think of, of psychics as being these really just kind of, uh, of, of kind of spongy people that just suck a lot of energy in and they're getting feelings and vibrations all the time and, you know, all that stuff. And, and yeah, that's, that's a receptive psychic ability. I think when, when you look at witches, what we're seeing is a projective psychic ability. Again, that is not unlike psychokinesis. And the process that really identifies it as witchcraft and not just psychokinesis is that witches are putting ingredients and tools and things together to create that impact. Um, and so they're tapping into the psychic force, the psychic energy that is there within, within all things. Um, and that's what they're pulling from, and that's what we're that's what we're weaving together to you know make our magic. Um, but it is you know in my book it's it's psychokinesis. It's the same darn thing. It's just a matter of are you able to do it simply on your own with your mind, or are you or do you need to you know pull things together to to really create an experience so that you can go there. And that was going to be my follow up question. Um, there are ingredients. There are recipes, if you will, and I think you even mentioned that on the cover of your book, Recipes. Mm -hmm. um, what do those elements bring to this if it's really a, a power of the mind? How do these elements get involved, and what is the power that they bring to the table? Yeah, so the the traditional kind of occult thinking is that um, just kind of a baseline, we believe in animism. Animism is a big driving force in occultism, and that's just the belief that everything has a vibration or some sort of indwelling spirit. And uh, so just to think of it uh, pretty simply, we could think of like a magnet. Um, you're, a magnet is putting off a magnetic charge, which is a vibration. Um, and when you are practicing the occult, it is very useful to put a bunch of magnets around you, right, you, you, if you're trying to attract something. And so I'm going to go do, uh, you know, to, to get it away from the mind and talk about the practice. I could do a working to, uh, let's say, you know, bring this, a job. Let's just do that. Let's start to talk about a job. So if I was doing to do a working for a job, what I would be pulling from as a psychic, if I had no, no, no ingredients or no things, was really just going to be faith, right? It's going to be faith and a lot of prayer, a lot of mental focus. 
But when I'm able to pull in ingredients, I'm able to pull in um, other vibrations, then I'm tuning into a larger, the larger, the, essentially the, the field of, of life, the, the great flower of life, and tuning into the universe, right? And so if we think of the mind being able to control and construct reality on its own, what happens when it has aids to do that? What happens when we can use things like scent and we can use things like color and we can use things like music to induce a certain state within the mind, which is what we're doing when we meditate. We're often talking about going into the alpha brainwave state, you know, so on and so forth. What we're doing essentially with magic and, and when we're doing all of this stuff is we're creating that at the very least, if, if, if all of the other stuff is bullcrap. And there is no psychic vibration, and there is no indwelling energy within everything. If all of that is crap, then at the very least, what we are doing is creating a state of mind uh, where we're really able to process and make a connection to something that we wouldn't have been able to do outside of that. Now, I also, again, 1,000% believe that there are other things that we don't understand, that we don't see. And when we are doing a ritual, there are... Uh, you know, things we rely on, ancient things that we rely on, whether it's just doing a, a certain type of breath work to, again, shift focus and bring, you know, bring us into a, a certain type of attention, or we're relying on an ancient recipe that the, that the Egyptian use, like kifi. They have this beautiful incense recipe that has been used for thousands of years to do one thing. And so if you have that thing, whether let's, you know, the church, the Catholic church uses a lot of frankincense. Every time somebody smokes frankincense, they're kind of transported to that space. Right. They're tapping into that greater egregore of Catholicism. Just because you're smelling it, it reminds you of church. Well, that's what we're doing when we're you know, doing things like creating recipes. You're tapping into that greater thing. And sometimes the recipes are ancient. Sometimes the recipes are new. And it's more about collecting the, the different you know, sets of vibrations that you need in order to create the change that you want. And that's why we're going to pull in from different types of ingredients and, and whatnot. And sometimes it's about following a traditional path that is a lot like kind of like a pilgrimage where you do this act so that you can have an experience, you process that, you meditate on it, and then you go to the next one, just like thousands of people have before you. And the belief is that there's power in that well-worn path and that if you go through that, you too can have the veil of mystery you know, lifted from you if you're going to have that experience, just like the people before you did. So it, it's really a double-sided thing here. I, I, part of it is absolutely about engaging the mind in every single way possible. But then the other part of it is really engaging the universe uh, as, as a literal thing that isn't just this hypothetical, you know, valley girl, how oh, the universe is telling me, you know, no, the universe is a real thing. It's a, it's an, it's an organism and we're part of it. And so, you know, we're, we're doing these things to tap into it so we can have influence. You um, feature some recipes in the, in the book, Modern Witch, we're talking about here. Um, you also just referenced a bunch of uh, concepts as how these recipes are used. Where do the recipes come from? Are these things that you've developed on your own through trial and error? Or is there some kind of, uh, I don't know, lore or something that you draw from that uh, gives you uh, details on what to use with what to make what happened. Yeah. So it's a little bit everything. Uh, it's just, you know, when we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, being a cultist, it's, it's about kind of understanding why certain ingredients and things are, are used together. Right. And I feel like just like with cooking, once you get the basic idea of, 
you know, you, you cook, you always cook at this type of temperature when you want the steak to turn out this way. And you always use, you know, this type of salt. And you, you get this, this groove going when you, you know, where, and it gives you confidence. And then suddenly you're, you're doing your own recipes and you're, you're coming up with your own concoctions. And that was my, my approach with this book was that I wanted to share with everybody as much as I possibly could, given the space and the time, um, as much of the, those, those fundamental, you know, basics that you have to kind of understand if you want to build something, you know, if, if you want the if you want a, a tower, you got to build a foundation. So with the book, I tried to just give the foundation, the foundational recipes. Uh, and these are things that are going to be really common, honestly. Um, it, it, there's really, I mean, only a certain amount of, of, of types of magic really out there when it comes to how, you know, spells are cast. Um, and, and so we can, we can really define those. And that's what I did. And so, uh, you know, there's, if you learn how to do one jar spell, you can learn how to do all of them. You know, if you learn how to do one candle spell, you can do all of them. And so that was the approach with the book, um, was breaking it down and saying, okay, well, if you're going to make a love potion or you're going to make a love oil, this is what you're going to do. And this is why you would do it. Here are five different variations on that that I personally use. And you can see why I substitute certain things. You can see why I, you know, recommend using this over that. And I put it all there so that you can make your own informed decisions about how you want to go about creating your own recipes and creating your own magic, essentially. Um, so with this book, it was really about, you know, I always look at witchcraft as a, a tool that can be, that is used to level the playing field when you live in a world where the odds are kind of stacked against you. So you know, I grew up as, as a poor person in drug-riddled Ohio who had nothing and nowhere to go. My parents have no money. Like, there was, there's nothing. And so everything I have in my life, I had to go work for. I had to go build and go create. Witchcraft gave me the tools to really get out there and do it. Um, and it was just about how we wanted to apply. Give me an example of some of the basic ingredients that, like you said, you know, when you know how to, when you learn how to cook, you know that salt does a certain thing. You know that, um, you know, oregano is going to provide something. Give me a couple of what we would consider to be the basic elements, basic ingredient ingredients that maybe uh, show up frequently throughout these recipes. Okay, so a lot of it is going to be regional, um, and and that's partly because different things have different names. Also, two different plants could have the same name, and you know, just depending on what region you're in. Um, so that all being said, there are some classical things. So, uh, for example, we here in the states use white sage to do cleansing and purification, and all sage can be used for that, absolutely. Um, but here in the states, we use white sage because that was what was introduced to us through the indigenous people here when we came over. Um, and so, you know, I was somebody who grew up going to powwows and I was, I was taught how to smudge by a native American. That's, you know, so those are things that we see everywhere, whether you're practicing witchcraft or not, everybody knows to go by the stage because everybody knows it'll cleanse you. Um, same thing with quartz. So, you know, uh, clear quartz is the most uh, touched and used stone on earth. Um, and it's because it is all about clarity. It provides clarity and focus. And so it can be used for anything from love spells to, uh, you know, job spells, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, if we get into, you know, working with uh, essential oils, um, a lot of us work with like lavender essential oil, um, not just because it helps us calm down and things like that, but lavender is often used to help balance out energies that are in chaotic environments. So people can use a little bit of lavender oil and a diffuser just to help, you know, balance out things in their space. Um, and that same thing can be used if we, you know, we use lavender and a sachet for the same thing. Um, and so, you know, to build on that, if we wanted to, let's say, do a working for love, 
Um, and, uh, you know, specifically, let's say we're having a, a hard time connecting with our partner. Well, I could use I could use courts to bring clarity to that relationship and to our the way that we're communicating. I can use lavender to, to smooth out the tension that I feel with my partner. Um, you know, and so those things that we build off of are are just the, the, the those, those fundamental flavors, right? So if you you know if you wanted a dish that was spicy, you're going to use a lot of pepper. Same thing here, you know. And so you know we would use uh, like hot peppers to uh, bring heat to a situation, right? Um, and so why would you want to do that? So for example, let's say you want to get rid of the neighbor that's constantly screaming at their kids and won't pick up their yard and is bringing the rest of the property value down, you know. Okay, so you can take it right. You might do something called a hot foot, which uh, it, you, you basically grind out a bunch of peppers and you sprinkle that dust down either on their, you know, on the doorstep or somewhere where they're going to walk. And the idea is that it's going to make their hot, their, their heat so hot they're going to have to move, right? And so these are these little tiny things that absolutely have some sort of folk tradition or some sort of, of folk relationship that you know could be two or three hundred years old, maybe a thousand years old, depending on. And we're, we're using them in a, in a very modern context. So it's, it's really about how we want to apply those things to every individual situation. All right. I've got a, a specific question um, from our chat room about candle usage in these spells. If uh, mm-hmm. a spell calls for a candle of a certain color, does the candle have to be that color all the way through it? Because the person is saying some candles may be, say, red on the outside, but it actually turns out to be white on the inside. Is there any is there any difference? Nope, doesn't matter. The the use of candle colors in magic really is a newer thing. Actually, um, we we really took it from uh, what was essentially slave magic and, and African American culture right after the slavery ended. So. The, the use of colors and the way that we use it today is actually relatively new. For the most part, people weren't going out and buying colored candlesticks. That just wasn't a thing that existed. Um, and so, you know, if you, especially if you read anything that's like older than 100 years old or even sometimes 50 years old, you're not going to find any sort of, of color recommendation. Um, and so it's actually a, a relatively new thing that we've, we've adopted in uh, from, from, you know, outside of our, our regular culture. Um, so it, it doesn't necessarily matter. You can do whatever. I, I always say the only thing you really ever need if you're going to get into colors is just black and white because those two contain all colors, depending on how you look at it. So you can get away with pretty much anything, which is the black or a white candle. You say that um, no two spiritualities should be identical and that our spirituality should fit us like a glove. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's, it gets back to that idea that... Um, spirituality should be here to serve you. It should be here to make your life better. It should be here to help you better understand yourself and how you relate to the world. Um, and it isn't going a, a real spirituality. And, and, and I mean this in a, in a very intimate way, um, isn't going to be valuable to you if you don't make it personal. So it isn't enough to just go to meditation classes and and to get a little bit of wisdom from the, the you know the teacher and then just say oh I'm a spiritual person right you have to apply that wisdom you have to sit down and go well maybe this doesn't work for me this is why it doesn't work for me or I don't agree with that and this is why I don't agree with that and so spirituality puts you in the driver's seat when it really comes to taking control over the way that you view the world taking control over the way you're allowing yourself to be influenced. Um, when when you're interacting with the world, and so you know a good example is um, 
uh, we can we can do a lot of things in the name of faith, regardless of what side of the fence you're on. So, like the Nazis, I mean, they pull out a Nazi card here. Um, <laughs> the Nazi doctors, when when they were you know going through and they were doing all those horrible things to people, they had even though they were doctors who took a Hippocratic oath, they were able to twist that Hippocratic oath to being something that was like, well, I'm saving humanity by getting rid of the cancer that is the Jewish people, right? That is not what the Hippocratic Oath says to do. Right. And so, you know, but they were able to twist it and change it and, you know, kind of make it something else. And that's what it, that's what we do. And so it isn't enough to just go by what somebody else tells you. It isn't enough to just go by what, you know, even if you're doing, like I said, you know, if we want to do a ritual that a thousand other people have done, it isn't just enough to, un- to read about it and, and to, or even to hear about it from somebody else's experience. You have to go through it. You have to go through that and come up with your own answers. And it's only when you come up with your own answers, you question the status quo when it doesn't feel right to you, that you actually get this spirituality that doesn't only just like make you feel good at the end of the day about like your life choices and where you're headed, but it also gives you a power. And, and, and it's, it's a beautiful type of power when you're going to just deal with other people. It, 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 it shifts everything. When you are in a place of, of really truly knowing who you are in relation to God, and you have actually made peace with that. That you know, for me, God is not vengeful at all. God is nature, and so sometimes nature, you know, explodes. Sometimes nature creates, you know, things that kill other things, and that's all very horrible and it's all very sad. But our, it isn't the action, it isn't the thing that is sad that we have to deal with. It's the aftermath of that. It's it's the impact that that thing had on us. And and I think spirituality puts us in that position to either, you know, say, hey, I need to understand this for myself. I need to come up with my own answers. Or it puts us in a place of just, you know, depending on who you are, being comfortable with not getting those answers. And, you know, for me, spirituality should fit you like a glove. It should not fit anybody else the same way it fits you. Uh, Because nobody else has gone through those rituals that you went through. Nobody else has gone through those experiences you've gone through and have had to question the things that you've had to question. And I think that in itself is, is the most beautiful hidden gem of, of humanity is that we get to go do this. And we, you know, and for me, a big part of that lesson as I'm exploring myself and understanding myself was understanding that I'm one hell of a powerful person, but so is everybody else. And, you know, just like when we take a civics class in high school, you know, we know that my rights end where your rights begin it's the same thing with our spiritualities. You know, my, my spirituality ends where yours begins because I can't understand where yours is, and I'm not going to inflect what I want spiritually onto you because it's not going to fit you. It's, it's going to be like, you know, trying to put on a, a smaller shoe or, or something. You know what I mean? It's just it's not going to fit. And because of that, it's not going to serve you. If the shoe doesn't fit, you can't walk a mile in it. It's not going to happen. So is this suitable uh, for everyone, and I'm not sure if I should call it a lifestyle or a practice or what, uh, maybe you can tell us how, what you consider it, but is, is, this, is this something that everyone can benefit from? Yeah, I, I think witchcraft it belongs to humanity. I, I, I think, and, and I mean, and we know this because regardless of what religion you're part of, there's a witch, there's a witch's part of your religion. That's a, that's a totally real thing. So I know more Christian witches than I know who aren't Christian witches believe it or not, um, and, and, or who we would consider to be Christian witches, who use the Bible for every spell they do, who, I mean, you know, that's just part of, that's what they do. It's part of their culture. Um, and I know Buddhist witches, and I know, you know, Hindi witches. And, and there's, there's, witchcraft is a practice. It is something that you do 
to change the, you know, again, to, to kind of change the, the odds when they're, when they're stacked against you. And people of all walks and all races practice witchcraft. Anytime you, again, you, you light a, you know, a smudge bundle, you're, you would, you know, be practicing witchcraft, at least from a puritanical standpoint. Um, anytime you, you know, go to yoga class, you're practicing witchcraft from a, a puritanical standpoint. You know, and so it, it, we're all doing it. You know, everybody does it. It's just a matter of how how much are you leaning into it. Some of us just do it because it's comfortable and it makes us feel good. Um, you know, I have a lot of, of people who will come into the shop and they'll just want to buy some pink candles and some rose petals because they just broke up with their boyfriend and they want to say goodbye, you know, spiritually. They just want to do that, that disconnect. That's the only witchcraft they're ever going to do in their life. But that witch, that spell, they really needed to help break that connection from their ex-boyfriend, right? Great. That's what it's there for. You don't have to be a full-time 1,000% witch to call yourself a witch. You don't have to uh, invest everything into it in order to get something out of it. I find that when you want to get into, you know, some more of the esoteric stuff, you want to talk about, uh, you know, joining, uh, you know, different groups of people who are dedicated to different spirits and different things, then, you know, things get a little different. But in general, you don't have to pay it for – you don't have to pay anything into the system to get something out of it. That is not what it's about. And witchcraft, you don't owe witchcraft anything. Witchcraft doesn't owe you anything. It, it's what do you need right now? And then the practice that you take to spiritually align yourself with that thing that you need, that's witchcraft, just bottom line, you know? And so it can look like anything. It can smell like anything. It can be anything. And, uh, you know, one of the things I love, I, you know, I am a monotheist. I'm a monotheist who, who believes in many gods. It's kind of a joke. But at the end of the day, I believe I'm a monotheist. <laughs> Most witches aren't monotheists. There's, there's a lot of witches who are not monotheists. But I believe, you know, I'm, I'm the universe is a literal being and I'm part of it. And the God is, God is the universe, like the actual, you know, the stars, the cosmos, all the things we don't understand. That's God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God like awe-inspiring because we can't understand it? And witchcraft gave me the ability to go study that and find that out. So, you know, it's, it's really about who you are, what you need. And there is witchcraft is in every shape, flavor. I mean, you name it, you need it. If you want to go all dark and spooky and you want to be Nancy from the craft, you, you, you can do that. You can absolutely go do that. Most of us don't because that's just not only a waste of time and energy, but it's not a good place to be in with your life. Why would you want to build yourself up to that, right? Um, so it's about your choices. And, but, you know, I, I think witchcraft is for everyone. It was created by us, by people to, uh, to make, you know, the changes they need in their lives. And, and in different parts of time, it has looked different. Uh, you know, in, in the middle ages, witchcraft was incredibly Catholic. And the reason why they talk about going to the devil was because in Catholic, um, doctrine, the devil was the first spirit on earth. And so the devil had dominion over the earth. So if you wanted changes over worldly problems, you went to the devil because God was too busy. God was off running the universe. He doesn't have time for you. So that, that whole thing about even talking to the devil and all that, that all comes from that practice. It was incredibly Catholic and it was happening way, 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 way long ago. Um, so I think if, if we really break it down and we really take the step back and you look at the history and you look at really what's going on, I think that people like to exaggerate um, claims of the phenomenal, and, and I think that people like to um, invest a lot of time and energy into things that are anathema to them, and they're willing to, to pretty much do anything um, to separate themselves from something that they've been told is wrong, when, in fact, they are probably doing that thing all the time and don't even know. You said that a witchcraft doesn't 
um, owe you anything. You don't owe witchcraft anything. It just is what it is. But do you get better if you practice witchcraft over a long period of time? Do you get better at it? Do you learn how to focus the energies better? Oh, yeah. It's like it's like a, a muscle or playing sports. The more you practice baseball, the better at it you're going to be. You know, it's just that simple. And it, it just gets down to those those practices, expanding the mind, understanding different things, becoming allies with, you know, other spirits and entities and, and really putting, you know, the pieces together in the way that your journey needs to. Um, but it, it is like anything else. The more you do it, the better you are. We're getting close to the end of our discussion here, um, and but we aren't nearly at the end of our list of questions, so we, we're going to have to figure out uh, what we have time for here. But you say that you can use witchcraft to you keep you brought up love uh, witchcraft or love potion or uh, love mm-hmm. spells, I guess, several times. What are some other things that are commonly um, affected uh, by spells or witchcraft? So I'd say the most common spells um, are, are actually like protection spells. So people really do a lot of protection work. And that isn't just from like, you know, other energies or other witches. It's usually like I'm worried about going home at night, you know, kind of stuff. So a lot of people come to us just looking for spells and things they can do to protect themselves or their children. Um, I would especially recently, that's, that's been a lot of what we got. Um, we also get a lot of, of, you know, money stuff. People are always looking for ways to, you know, gamble better or invest better or, you know, any of those things. And that's what I do with the book. I I took the five most of most common things that people come to witchcraft for, whether, you know, so we divination, which is like, you know, psychic stuff, reading tarot, omens, those sort of things, uh, love spells. And then we've got protection, magic, money, magic. And, um, I'm forgetting the fifth one all of a sudden. Oh my goodness. Uh, prosperity yeah so you know and those are the things that people just come to us for and and that's often the stuff that people feel overwhelmed by or they feel helpless with and so they'll turn to witchcraft for those things um but i would say mostly more than anything we get we're doing work for protection or we're doing stuff to help sway a court case in somebody's favor we get a lot of that kind of stuff um, and so, it, you know, witches are doing work that I, you know, I, I always get this vision that people think we're off um, doing all kinds of nefarious things. But most of the time, with most of the witches I know, um, it's it's really, you know, protection magic, and it's doing stuff to smooth over relationship problems, and it, it's all very small stuff that I think in the in the the long term adds up to be bigger stuff, you know. Um, it's usually the, the bigger things like trying to create world change and, and those other things. Those are bigger workings that groups of people are trying to do. Um, and that's usually a, a whole other, you know, thing on its own. Um, but for the most part, witches are just, you know, they're out there doing their, their thing and, and everything from love spells to protection to money to looking for ways to repel, you know, um, certain people who might be interested in them, you know, all that kind of stuff, all the above. Is there, and, you know, again, it, No, no. Go ahead. Finish. Again, you know, a lot of this comes from when people were living in times where things weren't, you know, equal or even. And so a lot of love magic comes from a time when women had to get married in order to have any social value. Um, And so that's where we get a lot of that stuff from. Um, And and a lot of those spells and those things from the older, you know, the older we can look back, it all comes from a lot of it's women who were, you know, going to die. They were going to be, you know, old maids. They were going to be kicked out of their families. They were going to lose everything if they didn't have their husband or they didn't get a man. 
that's where a lot of that stuff comes from. Um, and nowadays, we see a lot of more, more men coming looking for love stuff. So it's, it's totally depending what area you're living in. Is there one um, place or one spell that people, if they're interested in kind of dipping their toe into this idea, that they should start with, or one that everybody you think everybody should do or try? So I, I wouldn't say a spell, but I would say there's a working that everybody, sh- I think, should do. And it's one of those things that if you do it and you and you have doubt about whether witchcraft and magic and all this stuff is real or not, you can do this practice and you can get a hands-on for yourself yes or no answer. Um, and, and that is a practice that we call Kala. Um, and it's actually this Polynesian spiritual practice that witches stole um, probably 70, 80 years ago, and we kind of made it our own. And it's this cleansing practice. Um, and it's in my book, Witches Book of, of Power. Um, but essentially, you're, you're taking uh, a glass of water, and you're charging it with your problems, the things that are bogging you down, the things that you feel powerless by, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You're putting it in a cup of water. You do a working to cleanse and purify that, and then you drink the water back in. And you can feel the energy going in your body. You can feel it entering your, entering your bloodstream. It's a very intense experience that is so simple to do. And, um, you know, and I, I have not met one person who hasn't gone through it and walked away going, something happened. Something, well, something happened. You know? <laughs> and so I say if, if you want to dip your toe in, you want to do something that isn't going to affect other people, but it's just going to affect you and it's going to be something that you can walk away with, you know, some sort of answer with, do Kala. And again, that's in the Witch's Book of Power. The new book is called Modern Witch. Where is it available, Devin? Everywhere. Everywhere from Barnes & Noble to Amazon to your local bookseller. And uh, your websites, again, give them, uh, or the one that you recommend folks go to, I know you they can get to everything from at least one of them. Yeah, so you can just go to modernwitch.com, and pretty much everything is there, including all of our podcasts, vidcasts, uh, magazine, our blog, just everything is all there, including how to get a hold of me. Thanks so much for your time tonight. It was a real, uh, real pleasure chatting. I had a great time. I, I appreciate you finding time for me to come on <laughs> after the first snap. I, I really, really do apologize for that, and thank you for the, the, the airtime. It was well worth the wait. I hope we'll have you, have you back again sometime soon. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.